hey, we're the show that doesn't think that Mark Dever is trying to trans your children at, children at the SBC meeting. Or like something like, <laughs> like Just because hey, that we're thing, the show that the SBC is not woke, okay? Yeah, it is yeah. not woke. Exactly. You can have the little thing there. Yeah. And I think I could probably just keep that whole thing right there and just make that work. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We're, we're either, they are not woke. It is yeah. okay. Yeah, the SBC I, cannot hurt you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, we've, we've talked about it before in, in the group chat that, like, you know, I, I wish that some of the other denominations were having some of the arguments that the SBC is having because, you know, they're at least good arguments to have, <laughs> you know. Yes, it's. <laughs> I'd much rather have those. Any I mean, day these of the are week. like these are healthy arguments. This is like an in-house family debate. It's like, yeah. hey, this is what we need to like. What this is how we need to start cleaning and things like that, and that's fine. And you may not dis- you may not agree with anything that's going on. Well, I'm sure we'll t- touch on that today. But like, it, it's okay. They want you to take your shoes off when you come into the house. Yeah. The Methodists, I mean, they just kind of like allowed anything to happen and didn't really do any kind of discipline. That's the problem with the way it's in right now is because they didn't do clean house. Well, it's because, and that's because they, they can't, right? So mm-hmm. when you allow the the bishops in the United Methodist Church to all become liberal, the only people that can hold the other bishops accountable are the other bishops. Yeah. And there you go. Nothing happens. Nobody's punished for anything. Because what's the judicial council of the denomination going to do? Say, hey, you guys stop that. And the bishops are just going to throw a middle finger at them and say, no, 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 we're not. (laughs) And it's happened multiple times already. So what's the point? (laughs) But anyway, we're here to talk about the SBC annual meeting. (laughs) Not my previous yeah. denomination. That's going to happen soon. We'll get it's into all that. Well, yeah, yeah, my current denomination. Um, that, you know, everybody, uh, you know, thinks is falling apart. But I, I just... It's, I, it's not it's falling not. apart. We're, we're, yeah. Our giving is up. Is up. Mm-hmm. Um, we're planning more churches than most denominations in North America. And we're reaching the most obscure people groups than what any other denomination is even trying to do. Yeah. We have the resources. We are we are legion. Eh, I wouldn't use that word, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's the intro right there. We are legion. I wouldn't use yeah. that word. <laughs> yeah. I, and I mean, I got to say that, so we'll just, we'll just dive in. Um, yeah, that's I, the best way to do it. I thought that Barber was fantastic for a majority of the convention. He is really the guy who needs to be... He's the type of guy that needs to be leading uh, yeah. the convention. Because he is not too far on the really loud conservative people within the convention. Like other people, um, like Askel or something like that. But he is also not too like kind of moderate, if you will, to like other people. Uh, yeah. he, he's truly in the middle and that, that's who you need leading the convention and ho- and making sure formalities are being followed and making sure the executive committee is doing their job properly and 
and then also moderating during the business hour, during the yeah. business time of the convention. Um, he is really, he, he's really showing the, the best pastor's heart. And one of the things that I've noticed is, and I saw someone else post this on Facebook, it says, when he was talking about, um, what was it, that there was leaks occurring through because of something from the roof, mm. and there was like a little puddles because of it. And so they put, like, hey, what floor signs? It's like, hey, watch out for those. That's what Barbara was saying. Watch out for those. Make sure you pay attention to those. That way no one's slipping. And then even during the uh, the, the time when, they're, when they are um, figuring out which church is in, not in friendly cooperation versus which isn't, it says, you know, I don't um, – divorces happen, but I'm not going to throw divorce parties here. Yeah. And don't you dare do it either. Yeah. Yeah, he was and, he was he was a solid voice of uh, of just calm leadership throughout the entire yes. convention. That just he was the guy, and he was the guy that you needed in that moment. He was perfect for the moment mm-hmm. that that the SBC is in. There's not a doubt yes. in my mind whatsoever about that. And you know, I mm-hmm. was you know I, I, when, but when he was first elected, I was I was I was somebody that was on the side of saying, ah, maybe he's probably a little bit too moderate and he's going to be a squish. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, at the end of the day, he did, he did a great job. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I, and, and honestly, I think it's what moderate, I think we need moderates in the convention. Sure. Leading the convention because then they're able to work alongside with both of the si- other sides that were always in contention with one another. Yeah, they're able to people. They're able to bring both of those sides in the convention, and who are always fighting, always thinking that there's a battle, versus the other folks who are everything's roses, mm. and be able to work alongside them. It's moderates that need to work that. The only problem with Linton was it wasn't really anything about his sermon stuff. Which honestly, looking back on it, it was nothing major. It was just. It was a, a conference thing, but anyway, uh, the problem with Litton was that he didn't have good moderation uh, yeah. skills. So, like during the actual business time, he was very weak, and and this is why uh, Warren was able to have that ten minutes of speaking over because he wasn't he didn't have that those skills of speaking or taking hold taking charge. I mean. Of the floor when needed to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they were a little bit scared of Warren doing that again this year, which is why they, they cut that cut mic his at three mic. minutes on the dot, man. Three minutes and that was yep. it. Yep. They cut him right off. And, you know, I I actually appreciated that because, you know, he could have just went on and it just, it wasn't oh, yeah. going to be, it wasn't going to be <clears> worth <throat> it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, past that, before we get to the topic that you know everybody's going to want to hear opinions yeah, about, of course. Um, any thoughts on anything else that that happened at the at the convention? Um, I mean, I kind of only when you're streaming, you don't get to watch all of the um, of the convention. You you kind of have to like check in and check out because of. You've got yeah. this to do. You got to attend any stuff with the family, any of this stuff. So I was really paying attention to like, okay, what is missions doing, and then what is the hot topics doing? I wanted yeah. to watch the president. I wanted to watch what the the church who are on appeal, you know, that kind of stuff, and go from there. 
I'm I will always be glad eternally and gratefully glad that our denomination our convention has the type of mindset that it does when it comes to advancing the kingdom absolutely that uh, that, that some- setup where they had all of those missionaries come out and and talk even the ones that had to stand behind the curtain so nobody saw what they looked like I thought yeah. that was awesome I thought that was awesome and, th- and I they do that, that. They do that just about every year because yeah. because a lot of times they'll have you know missionaries to the IMB, and they're in places where people don't need to know that they're there. I mean, oh yeah, because it is just it's that violent and, and things like that. But for the fact that we do that is is great. Now here's something that I will say: I wish it was a little bit different. It was more church, local church based than a mission society type base because I think that's the model what we see in the New Testament. And that's yeah. that's you know, that's the Baptist in me saying And that. you know what? And it falls in perfect place because I we're we're preaching through Acts right now and we we just stepped into Acts thirteen, which is oh. the local church sending out mm-hmm. Saul well Paul. I'm still I'm this week I'm working through that whole situation. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> So, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about the sending out of, of Saul and Barnabas, and, you know, mm-hmm. this is the local church, you know, yeah. sending, sending out missionary. And it's just, you know, so that fell at a perfect time with where we were in Acts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, even if we're, even if IMB keeps doing what it's doing, they're doing great work. Yeah. As a Southern Baptist entity, they're probably the the biggest in regards to the West, and they're planting mm. all over the place. It's not just you know they're keeping in the West, you know, like in Mexico or Canada or in us. It's it's all over the place. It's covering Panama. So I have a question <laughs> about Japan. that. Since I am still basically pretty new in the mm-hmm. SBC, and you know, for all those years beforehand, I followed what would happen because. What happens in the SBC is important, you know, basically nationwide, if we're being honest about it. Like, oh, yeah. there's things that happen in the SBC meetings that have mass effects throughout the country no matter what. Um, so I always paid attention. But so with, with the church plants that come out of, like, IMB and all of that, mm-hmm. are, are they just independent churches or are they attached to the SBC in some way? Because I know that the SBC is basically a, a American centric denomination. Yeah. Um, they're attached by, so here's, here's how they're attached in name, meaning that this particular church belong, you know, they identify, they associate with the Southern Baptist convention. Okay. So they're attached that way. They're attached in another way because especially church plants, and if you can get it through them, will receive a check uh, of something, whether it's their NAM or IMB, uh, that that pays basically their salary. So there's mm. two things in that. NAM will cover kind of like our area, um, and then IMB will cover like Africa, you know, okay. things like that. So okay. a lot of times missionaries, if you're through them, or if your church plants is through that, you'll receive some kind of uh, compensation for the work that you're trying to do. Okay. See, and that's where it's different. That's where it's different because coming from the UMC initially, which is a global Mm -hmm. denomination, um, you know, when a church is planted in Africa by UM missionaries, it is a United Methodist Church. 
okay. the building will have the cross and the flame on it. It will, you know what I mean? Uh, it is no, just a United Methodist that, anything church. Anything of that nature, they do not care. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Anything of the SBC, it's because we don't have that trust clause in there. That's why. The sure. reason that you guys have that is because you had the trust clause and that started with Wesley. But for us, we don't own buildings. The trustees... Sure of the church of, or whatever building that they're using are the quote-unquote um, owners of that building, but that yeah. trustees is a rotation. So yeah. no trustee is on there for years. At least it's not supposed to be that way. Not supposed to be, but... Yeah, I mean, but... That doesn't you know, happen. churches, and there somewhere here in yeah. the south uh, that that boy has been on a trustee ever since it's been Oh, started. yeah, Jim Bob, he has been on Jim the Bob. board <laughs> Jim Bob since Baggins. the 80s. Yeah, that um, man planted that church, and he gonna own it. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of Jim Bob, we're gonna have to have a conversation at one point on the podcast about the whole shiny happy people thing. Um, oh yeah. Now that I've gotten through it, and I have a lot to say about oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we, me and my wife watched that too, and it was just like, it, okay, yeah, like for anything that was related to Gothard and that problem. I was just surprised by it. Like, hmm. for, for one, this guy is not married, does not have children, and you have allowed him to have this kind of authority over thousands of families and home units. Yeah. And then, and then I failed to constantly see the connection between the Duggars, like that family unit, versus Gothard, even though the, they they ran in the same circles. But it, a lot of it was like speculation about Jim Bob. So it, it's I, – I agree. I said that to my wife as we were watching, that it seems like a lot of what was going on was speculation in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. But it do, it did seem that they were pretty heavily involved with oh, yeah. Gothard's were, organization and all that. So there's that connection. The, yeah. But the, the thing that frustrated me the most was it seemed like they were trying to make the connection to say all Christian homeschooling is bad. Because yeah, these people were bad, though. and you yeah. know what I mean. So that's that's where I started Lumping to say this is. In. Yeah, I was like, this is just supposed to be a hit piece on Christian homeschoolers, and mm-hmm. you know, like that that whole. I think it's the whole second episode is that way, and I'm like, it's oh yeah, it's just not. You're making it into something it's not. Well, um, I mean, even with the uh, the Mars Hill podcast, you know, a similar vein, you know. Uh, about how women were treated, things like that, and it's like you got to realize that was a complementarian church. Yeah, they dealt with certain things differently than what you would think. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought it was just like a lot of stuff. But then there's stuff, um, you know, speaking about the the women. You know, uh, it, it was a lot like. Did you watch the Brian Houston documentary too? I haven't watched that yet. Um, I, I try to avoid most things that have to do with Hillsong, so uh, yeah, I, I haven't actually. But I've seen enough people talk about that one, and then the newer thing that has uh, uh, what's his name, Carl Lentz, because he did something yeah, it's the same as thing. well. It's the, oh, okay, you know, I didn't uh, know it was part of the same the, deal. Yeah, it's the same thing, and a lot of it was really people had a bad experience and they deconstructed. Yeah. And that's what I saw a lot with the the Duggar documentary as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's stop that and we'll hold that one for an actual episode cuz I th- yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that uh 
our our normal uh, co-part here has his own opinions uh, well, on I'm sure. from a Facebook post that I saw especially. Um, so <laughs> let's get back to the SBC meeting. Um, yeah, I know please. I said it. I said it in our, our in our little group chat, but um, I enjoyed watching the guy from Lifeway um, stand up for his employees mm-hmm. and basically tell that guy to screw off. I appreciated yeah. that. That he wasn't willing to just bend the knee and say, oh, we're sorry, blah, blah, blah. And, you know what I mean? Just throw one of those types. And I will hand it to a majority of the people that took questions from all the organizations that did not just bend the knee to a lot of these guys and, mm-hmm. and you know, shot back and was like, no, you're not, you're not looking at this right. Here's the facts or something yeah. along those lines. And I just really appreciated that. The um, problem with the bottom up denomination is because you get the problem with that is is you get questions like that you get the questions of over analyzing everything and then you think that there's overspending when there really isn't and yeah. all this other stuff um, we have bullied Lifeway a lot absolutely to it because we, we've treated it like our redheaded stepchild hmm. um, because this is an entity that has been brought up by the SBC has brought in so much curriculum and so much resources for people within the SBC, pastors or not, yeah. and have brought this in and have made, a, made it accessible or accessible, and then we have treated it like it is not really a part of the family. Yeah, absolutely. I've noticed that. I've noticed that a lot. And that's something where I'm like, you, and again, coming from the Methodist background, uh, we had abingdon press which is trash 95 percent of the time um Mm -hmm. but everybody supports the trash that they put out (laughs) um but you have lifeway which i believe owns holman correct as well that's like a subsidiary of lifeway Mm -hmm. um it's our it's it's pretty much our bible i mean okay you know like how are you trying to tell me that holman which is run by the offices at Lifeway isn't putting out phenomenal product. Like the CSB is the CSB Bible translation is jumping up the rankings every single year and most popular translation. You know why, right? You know why? Why? It's because this Christian standard. Well, yeah, the marketing on the name is perfect. I mean, this is, they just took out Holman. Yeah, it's like yeah. let's just keep it at it. Keep, take out the H, and then we're good. Well, and, and the and the marketing on that is great because yes, if you're especially if you are a new Christian and you're going to a a books you know a Barnes and Noble or even like a Christian bookstore and you see the Bible on the shelf that says the Christian Standard Bible, you're like, oh well, this is the Bible that I got to pick up. Like this is the standard <laughs> for Christians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is, but this even is with the, that, this is the Bible. Exactly. Um, CSB but only. even with that, I mean, all the study Bibles that they're putting out through uh, the CSB translation are phenomenal study Bibles. And the, and not just the, the study Bibles, but also just the regular like day-to-day books that they yeah. put out, like regular spiritual living books. Yeah, absolutely. Name me one other publishing arm that is through basically another denomination that has more practical worth to them than any other place there is there isn't lifeway is 
the top dog. Lifeway's the Lifeway's it because it actually yeah. understands what day to day living is. Yep. And it pulls in authors, and I know people have issues with people like Beth Moore and all of that. And I have my own solo issues that I have with some of Beth Moore's theological mm-hmm. takes. But at the end of the day, you know, you can have your issue with Beth Moore or whatever. But her Christian living stuff is pretty decent when you sit there and actually read half of it. It is. Very I'm not going to buy yeah. a commentary from her. But I'm going to, you know what I mean? No. Like, Does she uh, even have commentaries? No, but you know what? I was in, this is just funny, and I almost bought it just as a comic piece <clears> to have <throat> on my bookshelf. I was in Barnes & Noble last week. Do you know that there is somebody that is allowing Joyce Meyer to write commentaries and release them? Why? She has one, the ones I saw, I think it was Galatians and Ephesians was what I saw at the Barnes & Noble. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh and, it, and we're talking. This isn't a one-volume commentary. She's <clears> working <throat> on a set. Like, it's just I don't know. You know how much like editing and how like how much back and forth that probably ex- that exists with all those. Probably not though, because it's probably through the same publisher that published. What's it called? Uh, word, word something. The publishing company that releases her books, Joel Osteen's books, T.D. Jake's oh, books. Yeah. It's all through all that same people. company. Um, and they're not going to argue with her. No. They're not going to argue with her at money. all. Why are we going to argue with her? Exactly. It's the, her her and Smile and Joel are, are the cash cows of that <laughs> business, man. They're not going to argue with anything exactly, that they man. say. You know? Uh, I mean, Joel <laughs> but, probably brings in the most of it. Oh, he probably just wrecks. And especially when he drops like a booklet every week yes you know what i mean like he releases there's not many people that release books at the level that joel osteen pumps books mm-hmm. out no because he's probably got a team of people doing that probably yeah like he's he's probably got like round the clock workers yeah and, and, and the booklet thing is smart man and a lot of these a lot of these bigger pastors that write books have figured out the booklet thing that oh yeah that you take one of your bigger books that you've written and you pull an entire chapter out of it and put it out in a booklet and sell them too, and you're you're yep. rolling. You're rolling. Joel, exactly. Uh, John MacArthur does it. Tony Evans does it. All those guys do it because they know it's they know it it works. It works because people will still buy it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and and I gotta say that the with the Lifeway guy, I, I think the arrogance of the first question of the guy. Where, where, you know, you have the, the goal to stand up at the mic and say, when is Lifeway going to stop producing, producing such bubbly or whatever soft product? And I'm like, guy, come on, man. Who, who what are you talking I? about? Have you read this stuff? Like, have yeah. you actually read it? No, no, that's because the problem. He looks at the stuff that hits the shelves that is – he probably was specifically talking about the Beth Moore stuff because that's what a majority of people argue about when they mm-hmm. argue about Lifeway. And, you know, he was looking at a very few things. And let's not talk about, uh, what's his name, Trevor Wax's new book on orthodoxy, which is a phenomenal book that that Lifeway produced. And there's nothing squishy about it. It's all solid theology throughout the entire book. Yeah. (laughs) But we ignore that stuff to talk about Beth Moore on the platform. They just uh, wanted his five minutes. Yeah. So yeah. you open up a mic and you say people can speak to this, to whatever issue is going on. You're going to have, like, the Wiley Drakes show up. 
Like, oh yeah, you're gonna have you, the. You heard uh, about Wiley Drake's? What was the guy? The uh, the Go Vols guy. I know that's not who yeah. you're talking about, but that was hilarious to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just as bad as somebody from Alabama walking up to the mic and just opening with Roll Tide. Like it's Roll just, Tide. It's so it's like, good. And then the hat. You wear the hat. Uh, you see the hat. Oh, the was it the IMB guy with the big hat? Yes, it was oh, like huge. Dude, like, I love. Yeah, your, I am so surprised. At work. I was getting ready to say that. I was so surprised that somebody did not step up to that mic and say, "How much did that hat cost of our money?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a question I would have probably entertained because I wanted to know. Is like, okay, how much? Do Dude, that those cost? big hats, like, man, they're not cheap. I know that. Because, no, they ain't. Yeah, it's just they're not cheap. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <clears throat> mm. So, let's talk about the one of the appealing churches, Freedom Church. Yeah, which is uh, not too far from me. Oh, oh yeah, because it is is in Florida, isn't it? Yep, and it's like. Uh, I want to say it's under an hour from where I currently live. I'm about wow. to look it up just to be sure because I just want to know now that I'm actually thinking about it. Um, oh, Freedom Church. I think it was, was it Vero? Yeah, Freedom Freedom Church, Vero. So it's, a, it's about an hour away from me. Okay. Yeah, so not too yeah. far. <sighs> When when that guy stepped up to the mic and I, one of the, it was either a deacon or just a regular messenger I don't I don't know, <clears throat> um, and he starts speaking and he he said like hey our old pastor he's gone he doesn't have anything to do with the church anymore, all these things have taken place under him because of it and we're sorry and we're we're we've got a new interim guy and we're trying our best to fix it. And at first it was like okay. You know, Okay, you're, yeah. you're doing okay. You're 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 making the steps right. Yeah. And then credential committee guy comes up and says, "Oh no no no." He says we have reached out to you several times through UPS and making sure that overnighting stuff, making sure that you signed off of it to receive it. All of this stuff we have reached out numerous numerous times over. You have ignored, and we have on good authority that your pastor is still technically in leadership responsibility, and that you phrase this little speech in regards to the entire floor of of the, the Southern Baptists that were there, and lied to them. Yeah, you phrase it in a strategic way to lie to them to get your way, and so that way you can keep your pastor. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that was a dirty game. That's a hundred percent a dirty yeah, game that, that was, they were trying to play. That was the time where someone should have easily say, "You just need to go, dude. You don't you don't need yeah. to be here. Your your tribe doesn't need to be here. Yep. No one likes you." Yep, because you could have. I'm sure when that speech was happening from whoever that person from the church was, um, you were you were winning a lot of people over with that speech at that moment. Yeah, I mean, like I everybody guarantee thought, you, like, okay, this is a really likable guy. Yep. There's probably a lot of people that were sitting there in attendance that walked in with one opinion of voting, of of making sure that they were, you know, out, and then started mm-hmm. hearing that speech and said, well, this seems like they're making all the right steps, and maybe we can give them some type of, like, I don't know, probationary period or something like that. But then dude yeah. stands up on the stage and just rocks it, and it's like, nope. Yeah. Nope. I, I think I even saw someone quote a proverb on something of that nature is like one man 
comes and uh, a man seems right in his way until another man comes and, and examines him. Yep. Uh, something of that nature, and I can't remember what it, like what exactly it says, but like that was so true for that moment. Yeah, of, absolutely. Because of these people who are strategically lying, and that's the thing that you see about uh, the churches that were they they got themselves in this debacle of abuse of whether the pastors or some kind of leadership within the church or somebody who was abusing someone or a group yeah. of people within the church. Um, one is the world wants us to like get rid of this person. It's like, well, they have the local church has to do that. We can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can tell them to do it, but at the end of the day, it's up to them. Well, that's one of the frustrating things about the SBC is nobody understands the polity if you're not in it. No. Everybody's so. used to like the same kind of polity of like the Catholic Church. Yep. Like it's a it's a very top down. Yep. Like it starts from the Pope and then it trickles down into the local parish. Um, everybody's used to that kind of polity when it comes to church government, but they don't understand how autonomy works. Yeah. And that's the problem. Which is hilarious from people that in the culture that just talk about autonomy of of every yes. single thing. And they just can't get it through their heads of how autonomy in a, in a church may work. But <laughs> that's another conversation for another day as well. <laughs> yeah, because I have, I have some opinions when it comes to autonomy of the local church. Yeah. Uh, we have it, but I think it gets us more in trouble than it does, than it's worth. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Probably. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think Freedom Church, it was totally the right call to, to get them booted out the door. Dispel the um, cooperation. Yep. I, I think that was the right move. Um, so that, that moves us to, uh, we'll save the best for last and we'll talk about Fern Creek next. Oh, uh, let's talk about Fern Creek last. But oh, anyway. you want to do that one last? I mean, I guess that yeah, is the most the explosive. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And it is the most – you talk to people, and they're surprised that, they sh- that first of all, they got away with it for that long. For uh, over 30 years. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know how that happens, to be honest with you. How does nobody notice that for 30 years? Well, obviously people do. The state and the association can uh, – state convention and the association convention must know about it. I mean, there's no – You would Especially figure. the association. Yeah, you, you would know, the, think. That local county churches – but even then, unless somebody's just constantly saying something about it. But what happened, and this is why we go ahead and talk about Rick. Yeah. Is <clears throat> the problem with Rick is that he turned the spotlight on everybody else. Yeah. That was the problem. Because when the spotlight got turned on him because he wanted it, and then he goes to start speaking about, well, I'm speaking on all on behalf of all. egalitarian Baptists is like first off these Baptists can speak up well for themselves they don't need you and then Wick Warren has been a problem as it is um, from really from a while um, because it speaks to when he said last year about um, of him saying that I have trained thousands and millions of pastors or whatever it is it's just why are you so arrogant (laughs) That that's arrogancy. Yeah, but that speaks to a long process of problem that yeah. doesn't just that didn't just show up. That's been there probably from the start. Yeah, and we've for allowed sure. it. Yeah. That's the problem with Rick. I was glad to see, and, and the thing is, we don't we're, we're not booting out Rick. Rick's already gone. Rick is retiring. 
Yeah. He's already had replacements at Saddleback. Yep. We booted out Saddleback. Saddleback said they're not in friendly cooperation, therefore we're going. And that's that was that's who we booted out. We booted out um, that other church, um, Fern Creek, the uh, Freedom Freedom Church. Yeah. Um, we booted out them. We didn't boot out necessarily the pastor because we don't hold ordinations and the churches do. Right. Yeah. Well, I so mean, what is your uh, thoughts on the on the Rick Warren debacle? So, and my my senior pastor here would probably disagree with us because he he likes Rick Warren. Um, I think that Rick Warren is an arrogant douche, um, and <laughs> <laughs> that's just being a hundred percent honest with you. Yeah. Um, and I've thought that for a while. I've thought that since the first time I saw him pop up on, uh, and uh, everybody understand that I was the weird kid that was watching like CNN and Fox and all that type of stuff when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm, I'm, yeah. So the first time that I saw Rick Warren pop up on CNN when I was like 17 or 18 years old when they were talking about mm-hmm. the gay marriage debate in California, um, yeah. I didn't like the guy then. And you know what I mean? It was just, it was just, there was an arrogance that was about him that obviously has never left. Um, so I, I think it's interesting with when you talk about Saddleback itself, I think it's very interesting that almost immediately the senior pastor like ordained his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that they were, re- I don't think they actually care. I think Rick was the only one that actually cared about this entire thing because Saddleback it felt is like it's going to be fine. Saddleback's going to be fine. Okay. Yeah. I think Rick felt personally attacked and that's mm-hmm. where the problem lies is nobody was personally attacking you from the jump. No. Right. You know, yes, there was issues because people found out that you were ordaining women in a church that was attached to the SBC, and that was a problem. Mm -hmm. But nobody attacked you personally until you decided to get up in front of the SBC, well, in front of the mic at at the SBC, and talk for 10 minutes about how great you are after you said you weren't going to stand up there and defend yourself. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... You you, you put his nail in the coffin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that was the nail in the coffin. Yep. When you say, I'm not going to defend myself, and you have a 10-minute work talk of doing so, yep. they're not, they're, people have tuned out by now. They're not going to oh, listen yeah. to you anymore. Yeah. They're going to have a book burning if of you, the purpose-driven life. Which they should do anyway. But you can see <laughs> <That's pretty bad. laughs> You can see it. I'll tell you, dude. Living down here and going into – I've gone into a few used bookstores and Goodwills. Every uh-huh. single one that I go into, I see at least four copies of Purpose Driven Life sitting on the oh, bookshelf. Just, that's nothing. Just go to any church library. Oh, so well, the there's South. there's a there's a bookshelf right here behind me, and there's at least two copies of it sitting right there. Yeah, yeah. It's like any any like you're in the South, so this is still a thing for churches. But I have a library. Okay, I found at least three copies at ours. Purpose yeah. Driven Life. Yeah. Uh, so I took one for myself and I left the other two just because that way I have it. But like for the most part, like church libraries here in the South, they'll have a copy. Yeah. Everybody has a copy. And I'm, I'm not even sure if it's even print anymore. I think it's just old books in circulation still. Uh, 
I think it's still it in print. Be, it might be still in print. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I've seen actual like physical copies of it with a newer cover in Christian bookstores recently. Oh, okay. Um, so I think I think it's still in print. I, it would be very surprising if they put took that book out of print with the popularity of it. Yeah. But Zondervan pumps out it. so much stuff that it's oh it's, Zondervan yeah that's yeah yeah that's a yeah. whole new thing right there yeah Zondervan is I a love beast. some of the things that Zondervan is putting out right now but like a lot of other stuff I'm like I'm not too sure that this is okay yeah I, yeah there's well Zondervan so I like Zondervan because they work with Seedbed and I appreciate that as mm. a, as somebody that came from the Methodist Church. Um, they so are so the make sure your make sure it tingles your inner Wesleyan. Yeah, basically, um, the Zondervan is the one who produces a, a major the major books that Seedbed releases for major okay. distribution. Zondervan is the one that prints for them and all of that. And the the few really big uh, Seedbed books I have all all are printed and actually published by Zondervan through Seedbed. Okay. All that type of stuff. So I have a love for Zondervan on that, but they are willing to put out some trash. Oh, yes. By some really bad people that should be nowhere near a Christian publishing house. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, Thomas Nelson has that issue too, which, yeah, they're the same company mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But, um... Well, in a way, they're owned by the same company, HarperCollins. As I say, it's it's a practically a shell company now. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Zondervan and Thomas Nelson put out all the same crap, just in different formats. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like Thomas Nelson is the more uh, your dad's evangelical side of the company, yeah. and Zondervan is just the free for all. You know, <laughs> yeah, Zondervan's the uncle. The exactly cool he's uncle, the weird uncle know, that, that shows up weed. to the picnic that's you know <laughs> doing crazy stuff but you know thomas nelson is drop they're the ones releasing all of the david jeremiah books uh yeah. they're the ones releasing the john MacArthur stuff when he goes through thomas nelson or when he goes through a major company and not himself um you mm-hmm. know what i mean they're the ones that do all the respectable releasing yeah. over at thomas nelson and zondervan's, zondervan's like oh, the, Zond- you like the enneagram We'll pump out 16 books from you about, you know, why the Enneagram <laughs> is important in Christianity. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. It's why Zondervan is like the Gary Busey of Christian yes. publishing companies. <laughs> and it's so true. Oh, it's so true. It's disgusting. <laughs> That's 100% truth, man. That's crazy. And it's just, and it's just Zondervan just like, hey! Yeah. What are you doing? Just, uh, I don't know. It's like just, it's, it's, it's absurd. Like, I don't realize I'm doing it. It's just it's like it's like the Dollar Generals that are just popping up everywhere. It's like that's what Zondervan's doing right now. Yeah, they're just man. It makes me want to send a manuscript into Zondervan to just see if they'd publish. You probably me. get it published. Just I probably could get published, man. I probably just send could. whatever. Just say just I have. Like, a, you smell my s- bro. I'm about eighty percent on a book that I've been writing for the last like two years. Like hey, I'm a. I'm gonna send it to him. I'm gonna send it to everybody to try and get the thing published. But if, you know what I mean? Have if, you not? Have you not finished? Finished? Or you're just like? Uh, I'm like I'm like eighty. I'm like eighty percent with the writing portion of it. Um, send me the first chapter. I can send you the first chapter. I'll send it to you later. Yeah. Okay. It's it's it's. Is it, it's, is it worth anything? It's not like it's like, hey, we need to smell Ryan's dirty sock to get blessed or something like that. No, 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 no. It's kind of one of those like. Uh, 
happens. It's kind of like one of those uh, redemption arc type story. It's my story, basically, is oh, okay. the whole whole deal of it. Um, okay. You know, and that was that's what that is. But uh, hmm. obviously, that's still a working thing that's going on. But you know, yeah, I'm gonna pump that thing out to everybody and see what I can get. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and listen, Gary man, Busey will take it in. They probably he probably will. I might just send it to Abingdon just to. Just to try it. Just, I mean, they'll, they'll definitely. They will 100% publish it, man. They will 100% publish it, especially if I put something weird on the cover art that I want. They will 1,000% be put, down for put it. Put like a. Uh, I'm sure you can do like the chat box or whatever, you know, the Ask AI kind of thing. Yeah. Have portray God as mother. Oh, they like, will 1,000% publish that. You. Jeez, yeah. they will publish that in a heartbeat. I mean, just, and then just. Say at the very end of the book, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they would a thousand percent publish that without a doubt. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So back to Rick Warren. Um. Yes. I I think that uh, I think it was a good move. <clears throat> I think that it was something that I needed think to overall. happen. Yeah, I think it was something that needed to happen, and maybe he needed that little bit of a shot to his ego as well. And that might just be a personal thing that I just want to say. Just I think he needed well, that. Did Did you watch the little press conference afterwards? I did not. For him, so I don't, and this might be a thing that they've always been doing. I don't know, but it's a new thing for me because it's new to me. So like when things like that happen, like major events, like the election of the president or or whatever else, there's essentially like a press conference where there's like Q and A's between like Baptist presses. There, that's the time that they get to talk. You know, ask all their questions and people like that. <clears throat> well, Rick Warren had it. And for the first 20 minutes, he says, I know that I was not going to get this. I know it. But and then he started to compare himself to William Wilberforce. Here's the arrogance again. He started to compare himself to William Wilberforce and saying that he had to go through Parliament 17 times before slavery finally was ended. So he essentially, he compared his work to the work of William Wilberforce trying to end slavery while trying to get women to be pastors and that to be okay in the SBC. Dirty. Disgusting. Um, and he, well, and so he, he also, you got to remember, you got to remember not too long after last year's annual meeting, he tried to come out and say that them booting Saddleback was backdoor racism because there's black churches that ordain women and you're telling them that they can't be in the SBC because they have women pastors sometimes. You, I didn't. I didn't hear that. You didn't see that. You need to go no, find. I, didn't see I, that. I will. I will send you that later so you can see it. That was legitimately an argument that he made. Was if you boot out Saddleback, you are you are showing your racism because there are black Baptist churches that a majority of them I would imagine aren't SBC in the first place. They're probably something mm-hmm. like American Baptist or Progressive Baptist. That ordained or cooperative, yeah. It, but a majority of there probably are a few black SBC churches that do have women ordained that just nobody's caught on to. But here's the here's the thing, and this is kind of leads us into Frank Creek as well, is that most African American churches, like predominantly African American churches, have the co-pastor kind of thing mentality. Like, yeah, there's a first lady, and she actually has leadership. Yep. duties attached to her because of who she is because she's the wife 
of the pastor. And that's the problem is when when they're talking about the women pastors or the women whatever in the SBC, they were lumped in. Yeah. Because you, you saw that study that was put out uh, a couple weeks before the convention, uh, people who actually like did the homework and found out there was like over a thousand or so. Yeah, uh, it was something like that. that. Have something. Yeah. So they were lumped in the problem, and that's not that's not the problem. No, that's not the problem. That's not what the SBC is arguing for. The SBC no. is arguing for is like, hey, we're a complementarian church. We're sorry. This is this the way we are. Um, so if you're not complementarian. You're not willing to abide by our rules. This is not the best place for you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 a weird situation, and I I don't think it's actually anywhere close to being over with. Um, no, we've we've got a while because now, yeah. this, like I said earlier, the spotlight that Rick Warren did because he said he found about two thousand churches. So uh, my issue now is the worry of like, well, now are we going to have like a witch hunt in the SBC to to find all of these all these churches that supposedly have women pastors on the leadership team, and you know, and, and here's my thing, right? So I saw this come out of I'm obviously a f- Facebook friends with a lot of Methodist pastors um, mm-hmm. from all over the country, and I'm friends with female Methodist pastors um, that were um, obviously kind of upset with the decision of booting Saddleback because they think that there should be a move in that direction in the SBC. Which, you know, as you would would imagine that they would want that. Um, But I have to applaud as somebody that came out of a denomination that didn't want to follow its own rules that were on the book I have to at least applaud that the messengers were actually willing to follow the rules on the book mm-hmm. and do what had to be done instead of capitulating for a longer amount of time or just not doing anything about it. Uh, you know, I can at least respect the fact that it happened. You know? There, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is very respectable that they were actually willing to follow their own rules. Yeah, which is a shame that that has to be a point that's made. But mm-hmm. when you have so many denominations that aren't willing to follow their own rules when it comes to certain things, like the United Methodist Church, then it becomes a big deal when somebody actually does it. You know, mm-hmm. the when it comes down to it, the, the SBC and the UMC are one and two, right? So the when it comes to the largest Protestant denominations in the country, you know, so it's, it's rather a big deal that one of them's actually... S- willing to follow their rules on something like that yeah which then leads us to fern creek yes yes it does so this lady was a pastor in kentucky not too far from louisville i don't think i think it's is it in louisville i think it's like right outside of louisville which also begs the question of how in the world albert moeller didn't know about it and make it a bigger deal as well he's got to be in the same association you would figure. There's no way that you're not in the same association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The association not, usually covers like three to four counties at least. Yeah, you would figure that that Albert Moeller was in the same association with her, so he had to have known that she existed. Or it's something where, you know, it just wasn't talked about. Right? Which so. Possibility. Yeah. You know, they could have, like, 
there could have been a whole lot of things about, um, you know, hush hush. They weren't invited to the associational meetings, yeah, like an executive board meeting or something like that. They but probably I, weren't invited to that because of it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't know about it. Yeah, which is the thing that I I just don't get. Because you know Albert Moeller is is the guy when it comes to this topic. And yes. the and the SBC knows it because the credentials committee made sure that he was the one that had the reply to both churches on this topic. Mm-hmm. Right? So they know that he's the guy that you go to in this scenario because he was he yes. was he was there when when they were writing the Faith and Message two thousand, so he can disprove anything His name's that on you it. Exactly. So he can disprove anything that you have to say about it as being the yeah. guy that was in the room when it happened, you know? Exactly. But not just that. He's just, when it comes down to it, I mean, there's not many guys, no matter who likes to argue that that may not be true anymore, and I disagree. Alba Moeller is one of the one of the most solid guys that you got in the SBC. And the most trusted within the SBC, too. Absolutely, which is why I like think... He's, like right now, him and... Um, Aiken? Danny Aiken from uh, Southeastern. Yeah, they're the most long-tenured president Yeah, of, of yeah. our seminaries. Yep. Like, everybody else is just, like, a constant rotation. Yeah. Like, and Paige Patterson was one of the longest ones. Like, yeah. he was, he had longer stay than, than Mueller, but then he just shot himself in the foot and went shut up. Yeah. Well, that's, well, a, di- that's a different story. Yeah, that's, that's a different story. <laughs> But uh, that's a different one. Yeah, but you know, somebody like Moeller is somebody that as trusted as he is in the SBC, um, and I I do think that he he should be the next guy for the convention. Yeah, I'll put that line in the sand now. I I think if uh, what was it? It was either last year or the year before that HB Charles put him up for president. Um, mm, I, I think it was the year before. Was it either year before? Either when way, Bart was running. No, it was when no. Linton was running. Yeah, it was, yeah, yep. Yeah. So um, I think if that whole thing wasn't as contentious as it was because of the founders, crew, mm-hmm. and all of that, I think Albert Moeller would have been president that year. Yeah. There's not a doubt. Because it was a run. Yeah. Because what happened is I remember watching it. So you had Linton, Stone, and Moeller. They got to the main thing, and there was another runoff. Yeah, and there was like there was like two runoffs basically. So, like the first runoff kind of cut out Moeller, and then it came down to Litton and Stone, and which is basically like Trump and Biden, basically <laughs> Trump yeah. and Hillary. That's basically what played out in that convention for that year. And then next thing you know, another runoff, Linton. Yeah, and- but the one thing about the thing about Fern Creek is that now I didn't watch all of her stuff, but some of the things that I was watching. I didn't have a problem with. I watched. Did I posted in our video of in our, in the in our group chat of her talking to? It was like a Kentucky newspaper or something. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. were interviewing her about everything. Is that the one where they were interviewing like church members as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have necessarily a problem with that. I mean, I have no problem. This is how I have. This is how I used to be. If it was a woman in any kind of leadership role, no go. Right. I was just I was that way. I did not want that to happen. But now um, I've kind of eased off of that quite a bit actually, and now I feel like if if she had just been quiet, 
she would have been able to keep going. Right. <laughs> if she had just went into the kitchen and made some sandwiches. Damn it. <laughs> I knew Go that's home. where you were going, but <laughs> I was trying to hold it, and then you actually said it, and I broke. I couldn't help it anymore. But like, no, I mean, I mean uh, on a serious note, on a serious note, I mean... Well, she was quiet about it for 30 years and nobody said anything to her. What was the difference now? Yeah, well... Because no one has brought it up until now. Yeah, who ended up... Who brought that? Do we know who brought that? I don't know who who brought that up. I'm sure somebody in the show notes say that. Yeah, I I, I just think it's... I, I do think it's interesting that she has been the pastor of this church for over 30... I think it was, what, 33, 35 years, something like that? Something. I mean, it was a couple decades. Yeah, so you're telling me that this that this woman was the pastor of this church for that long. I'm sure this church sent messengers every it, year. Every year, at least not, or at least most years, they sent messengers, mm-hmm. and and nobody caught on to this thing one time until right now, and that's when the whole fight breaks out. It just doesn't make any like it doesn't make any sense to me. I think I think I think this goes back to Warren. I think so too. I think that's what it ends up coming down to. Put on the spotlight. He yep. he's now cause has caused the witch hunt now. Yep, absolutely. But the thing is, but this now proves also a misnomer about women pastors. See, so you know you've heard about the the, the, the age old thing about women pastors. You know, you have a woman pastor. That's the first thing to go. In regards yeah. To next thing goes liberal. the Bible. Next thing goes. Yep. Yeah, and and that was thirty years of her pastoring and speaking more conservatively, which I've looked at some of her sermon videos, speaking more conservatively about anyone else and is pushing for this to happen, you know, just for wanting people to be conformed to the image of Christ more and more. Yep. Yep. She's more of a conservative than anybody else that I've seen who are in regards to this. And so that kind of just begs the point of saying, well, maybe this is a propaganda by a bunch of ultra conservatives that are saying if you allow a woman preacher then therefore liberalism liberal uh, ideology shifts in yeah. which is not true because then it's you not. have other denominations who that was from that was their thing from the start like the assemblies free methodist uh, the vineyard movements all of these things and they're very staunch on the bible yep so then you have to ask your question okay what happened to the denominations that started to allow women um, that are now liberal. So that but, was a conversation. So I don't know if you know who um, Andy Miller is. Um, so he's out of the Salvation Army, and he runs a. Oh, he needs to be baptized then. Uh, well, so he's actually a member of the Salvation Army that thinks that they should change the rule on the sacraments. There's oh, like great. he's he's part of like this little underground section of uh of salvation salvationists no he so he was a he was a pastor i forget i forget if they're like generals or lieutenants i don't know they have all those military names instead of pastors but he is now the guy who i think he's dean of wesley biblical seminary um, oh, okay. That's I knew that name sounded kind of familiar, yeah. but I couldn't place it. Yeah, and he's a solid. Okay. He's a really solid guy, and he's one of the people who's a proponent of putting the sacraments in to the Salvation Army. 
and he thinks it's mm-hmm. crazy that they don't do it. But yeah. um, so he has a podcast um, called More to the Story, and I really enjoy mm-hmm. the podcast, but it has the worst intro music of all time. And he um, he just did this whole series where he talks to a progressive and a conservative from three different Wesleyan denominations. So he did mm-hmm. the Salvation Army, he did the Nazarenes, um, and okay. he just did the UMC. Uh, okay. And that was something that, so on the UMC front, that Adam Hamilton, who represented the progressives, and Rob Renfro, who, who represented the conservatives, they yeah. both said that, you know, once the progressives realized that this wasn't the, th- you know, that women pastors and all that wasn't the thing of why we were shrinking, then we mm-hmm. really need to, need to have the serious conversation of why it's turning the way that it is. Okay. Um, so what was their conclusion? So the Andy didn't let him put conclusions out because that's not actually what the podcast was about. But okay. um, – the institutions attached to the – this is my theory. The institutions attached to the denomination have more of an issue than the institution of the church. Meaning I agree. places like – so, again, I'm going to throw my Methodism out all the time because it's what I know best. When you look at Duke, Duke oh, is training yeah. a lot of United Methodist pastors. Yeah. Duke is a progressive hellhole. Oh, yeah. Therefore, you're pushing nothing but progressives into the church. There's a very so you, slim... So you think it's a top-down th- top thing that's causing... Yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think it's... Who is it? Gramsci's uh, long walk through the institutions? Long march through the institutions? I think that's mm-hmm. it in the church. Hmm... You have progressives okay. that have taken over the leadership of these Christian schools and organizations that are pumping progressive and liberal theology into the schools, which means mm. all of the people that are being trained in those schools are being trained in liberal and progressive theology. What do you think they believe when they come out? They're, they're just Duke reflections. Exactly. But you don't have that issue with the women pastors that are going to Asbury Theological Seminary or uh, United Theological mm. Seminary in Ohio, not the weird Twin Cities one. Um, yeah. The Wesley Biblical Seminary is another school where the women pastors coming out of there are not this way. So it's not necessarily the women's the women pastors, but it's the institutions that train a lot of these pastors that I think you're, and you know, a lot of people can have a lot of issues with, uh, what's his name that started the OPC, um, um, Machin or whatever. This is where we need, this is where we need our Presbyterian friend, uh, um, Machin, Machin, something like okay. that. Um, I think he was in trouble and that's why he started it. Well, another issue that he had was Princeton mm-hmm. because liberalism was coming in at Princeton from the top down. And Princeton before, you know. John Grisham Machen. Machen, that's what it is. I was close. I said he Machen. He was a PCUSA minister. Yeah, and he ended before. up creating the, uh, the OPC, OPC after all of it happened. Um, yeah. A part of the issue with that was the, th- the liberal theology that was creeping into Princeton. And, you know, look at Princeton now. You don't even know. The, 
unless you know that they have a divinity school just because you're in this world, you have no idea that they were a Christian school. Well, it's the same thing with Harvard. It's the same thing with Duke. Duke's a sports school, yeah. man. No, who yeah. who knows that Duke has? Uh, listen, I was I have been a Duke fan for basketball and lacrosse my entire life. Until yeah. I was in the church and saved, I had no idea they had a divinity program. <laughs> I knew them for I knew them for basketball and lacrosse. That's what I knew them for. And 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 okay. I had a dream as a child of going to Duke. And being even when I first felt a call to ministry, I was like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Duke. I'm gonna go to Duke. And then I looked at Duke, and I was like, this is absurd. Like, I'm not going near anywhere near that campus. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like <laughs> when you're praying to Mother God in the chapel service, I'm not going anywhere yeah. near you. <laughs> yeah, I have a. Uh, there's an author I like over there because he kind of. He writes in kind of the same circles as what like guys like that I like to read. So like the Baptists, mm. it's the group of Baptists who really push for a better understanding of the supper and baptism and things yeah. like that. So it's Curtis Freeman, <clears throat> and he he's all for that all that stuff. Like he is, I am like I remember seeing him. Like he's the one Baptist who I know who will come out in robes and have the vestments with the little, you know, the little rope tie around it you know mm. like as the belt yeah like so i was like oh, this is a really a high church baptist guy and then well, I he, mean, he's i mean signing, the progressive baptist off that off. way too that that's the thing he's a progressive baptist and yeah where, where's a progressive baptist gonna go to seminary Dude. to to a methodist school yes yeah because we ain't got him yeah we yeah. have our our baptists are focusing on things that on this issue they're focusing on the women issue. Yeah. And then it begs me the question of like, okay, let's say Fern Creek didn't show up and didn't care. They kept their head down. What do you think they would happen like for the next pastor coming into Fern Creek? Like say it's another woman. Um, and all these other churches that have women pastors or whatever. Do you think that, are, that we're kind of eventually on, we're going to be actually having a serious conversation with this? And, and possibly having a mass exodus because of it. Um, like, do you think there is a future for the SPC to have women pastors or elders even like do a step down understanding of pastor? Uh, I think that there will be women pastors in the SBC in the next 10 years and it will be a normalized thing. And that's just going to be the way that it is. Um, I think that the other organizations that have... uh, So I I think a perfect look at this was um, last year. So I watch all of these annual church meetings because I don't don't know why I watch them, but I do. So I watched um, the Free Will Baptists convention from last year. Um, And they on... On the so maybe it wasn't last year, maybe it was the year before, but it was in the last few years they had the conversation of do we license women to to preach in our churches mm-hmm. because they're already a small denomination. They already mm-hmm. make it hard enough to become a pastor in the Free Will Baptist denomination. Yes, they do. Um, do and the the argument on the floor was do we license women to preach with the same 
with the same rules on them as we have the men. Mm-hmm. Just, but it wouldn't be a full blown ordination. It would just be a license. Yeah. Um. So similar, you know. That, I mean, I'm licensed. That's that's where I am right now. I'm still not fully ordained. I'm a, I'm a licensed person. But it's the same, okay. you know. But let's be real. Outside of a major church authority, like you know something like United Methodist Church or something like that, there's not much of a difference in the roles and responsibilities of somebody who's licensed mm-hmm. compared to uh, somebody who's fully ordained. It's not that different. Mm-hmm. Um. But that's a conversation there, and I think that they are going to break on they are going to break on two issues of divorce and uh, women's pastors. I, I give them five years, but I think the SBC okay. I'll give them a little bit longer because of this fight that's happening right now. The the Free Will Baptists aren't having that fight where they're kicking churches out. But oh, um, so so there is a so there is Free Will Baptists that have this already. So, from what I understand, there are a few. Um, okay. But there are only, in the grand scheme of things, when you compare them to the SBC, there are only a few Free Will Baptist churches. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? When you Comparatively looking at it, you know, it's, it's a much drastically different size denomination. Um, and, the SBC, and the Free Will Baptists aren't scared to call themselves a denomination. But I digress. Um... <laughs> Um, so they're not kicking anybody out over it for the few that do have it they're just having the conversation now obviously especially with the free will baptist (coughs) denomination being a a much older denomination um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to most people in attendance which to be fair most denominations at that point are I think assemblies is the only one that's growing with young people at this moment, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of fight, but there's also a lot of fight when somebody from the Free Will Baptist Church is preaching at the at the convention and decides they're going to use something other than a King James to preach from. Um, really? So, yes. Very I didn't much. Know that. So. There, there's a lot of uh, King James onlyism in the Free Will Baptists. Okay. Um, but. To get back to point, um, I think the next ten years you're going to see a mass exodus of the Tom Askels and his his mm-hmm. ilk um, out of the SBC, and they'll probably either start something new or they'll hell for all you know G three might become an association or f- you know it's the it's it's already like that already. So is Founders too though. Founders has yeah. that same deal, so it might turn into a bigger thing. Where it, mm-hmm. it it works as an association, like the SBC works as an association, as opposed mm-hmm. to just being a uh, a linking point for churches yeah. to say, oh, this you know, this is another church that agrees with the same things, and we can do work. You know, I think it could turn into more of a association in in the same way the SBC is. So I think you're going to okay. see I think you're going to see a major fracturing in the SBC. In the next ten years, for sure. Okay, I'm I'm thinking the same. Um, I think the the divorce will be a lot more ugly. Um, because of just but how can it? Our here's my question, and I get where you're coming from, but how can it be ugly when you can just up and leave? You can be. 
I mean, like that—that's the thing. The, the SBC doesn't own the church. Exactly. The convention doesn't own the church. The association doesn't own the so church. So it doesn't have to I'm be. Talking that about, way. What I'm talking about is um, it doesn't have to be ugly. That doesn't mean people are not going to take the time to do pot shots. Mm. And Fair I'm point. speaking in regards to that um, in our own history because in our own history we had a conversation like this already, so now we're having it again. Yeah, this was oh, what a majority know, because, of the conservative resurgence was all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is this is kind of we're we're rehashing some of those conversations, and some of the conversations was about inerrancy and whether people believed in evolution and or or you had people like Beasley Murray who was coming in from Spurgeon College over in London and serving here at Southern, and then he got lumped in with a bunch of other stuff because he actually wanted to follow the text in regards to baptism. Um, that's I digress I I read when I read stuff like that in regards to Beasley Murray and he's probably one of my favorite Baptist writers and then the people the amount of people who just lumped him in during the conservative resurgence into all the other cotton-headed ninny-mungans infuriate me like really infuriate me but anyway You still there? I'm still here. I'm just kind of muting my mic for a minute, so I stop talking as much, and you can get a word in. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what happened? I kind of, I kind of went off on a tangent there over the last few minutes, so I kind of. That's I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the king of tangents here right now, That's so fair. somebody has to. That's fair. And we've been, anyway, we, like, we've been able to keep the conversation up for over an hour with not many very yeah, blank spaces. So props to us for that. Yes. That's a win. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting in there. That's what I'm saying. But anyway, like you had all these things that are happening, and the conservative resurgence says, no, we're going to do this, and you're going to follow it. And if you don't follow it, get out. Go join the cooperative program, which is essentially what happened. The cooperative uh, Baptist Fellowship. Um, they're the ones that started out of that. So they left from when the conservative resurgence was happening and then went and did their own thing. But the thing is, during that time, when before the actual split happened, there was like little fistfights happening in the parking lot. And so I'm, t- I'm judging by our own history and how we treated each other in the past who disagreed with us on certain things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be an ugly, nasty divorce. Cooperative, I think it's coming. Cooperative is what Jimmy Carter had a hand in creation of, right? I think so. Something yeah. like that. Something like that. Was, um, I think he's actually attending a Southern Baptist church, though. Uh, I think he's I think he's at a cooperative church. I don't think mm-hmm. he'd ever step foot in an SB church I property remember, again. I think I remember applying for a church that had that was SBC on the website, and they said Jimmy Carter drops in every so often. Hmm. I'm looking that up now. So I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, he am, am I muted? No, I'm not muted. He attends. Uh, oof, that's a hell of a name. Uh, Marantha Baptist Church. Uh, let's. Maranatha. Maranatha, maybe. I don't know. That sounds proper. Yeah, we, we we split off from in 1990 from the SBC. And the ordination of women was the primary objection. 
Yeah, look at this. This is interesting. It's a pretty church, but uh, but yeah. So this is. So his... I think I think that divorce is going to happen. I think if we go the route of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, then I'll probably leave too, because yeah. there's other problems that's going on aside from the women. Yeah. But if it's just hey, we're allowing women to be pastors, or we're allowing churches, we say that churches are in friendly cooperation. Um, with us because they license women or they're starting to ordain women or whatever else. And that's a whole other thing as well is that we have to update our BFM, Baptist Faith and Message, in order for the churches to be able to do that. Mm. So we, we this is a larger thing that needs to happen in order for us to do so. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, um, I think our divorce is going to be ugly. Yeah. See, like, I... Very ugly. And the annoying thing is it doesn't have to be, especially with the SBC. No. It doesn't have to be. You can just say, like, okay, we're you, you do your thing. We're going to go do our thing. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you're going to have – It's very simple like that. Yeah, you're going to have people that are going to be the institutionalists that don't want to lose the name. Um, mm. So that's where – Which I think – I think what here, here's – I'm going to speak some – Logan's going to be happy with me. I think I'm going to speak some prophecy over this, Okay. <laughs> So this is going to tickle Logan's charismatic ears. Mm. We are going to start a new entity called the Great Commission Baptists. Oh, that uh, that's a hundred percent. And then that's going to be what the SBC is in the future. Yep. The people that split off from that well are going th- to stay Southern Baptist. So and they're going to be the hardline complementarians. Can't you already use Great Commission Baptist? As There's a church in Arkansas that's already using it. Yeah, I was going to say, I so, thought that was already a thing. I'm pretty sure you can go to the part of the SB website where you can get like logos and everything like that. And I'm pretty sure they even already have a logo for Great Commission Baptist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a thing. There's a Facebook group. And I like that idea because we're, we're part of the Great Commission. We're, we're yeah. Great Commission Baptist. We are GCB. GC Baptist. Yeah. And I like that. I like that idea because yeah. at the end of the day, the Southern Baptist Convention is a big tent Baptist. Ah, the word big tent just scares me, man. <laughs> big tent can be okay. Big tent okay? be okay. Can be okay, but it has to be done if properly. If you pay your dues, yes, it has to be understood properly. Yeah. I'm not meaning it in regards to uh, like, uh, like United Methodist. What I'm saying is like if you are a Baptist, you should be welcomed in this group. Because you are a Baptist, sure, but so that's what I mean. A big tent. It's like it's big. Southern Baptist is basically like United Baptist. <laughs> that's I mean, a I'm good sure way to put it. There's an actual group that's that's. Let me let me. I'm sure there's an actual the group the United Baptist. Baptist Church. I'm sure that's a thing somewhere. Um, oh, I guarantee you. Yeah. Um. So I think a con- yep. Oh yeah, yeah. So is it an individual church or is it actually a denomination? Uh, is a name of several diverse Baptist groups in Christianity in the United States and Canada, split off of the separate and regular Baptists. Actually, no, it is a union of regular and separate Baptists in Kentucky, Virginia. Um, Interesting. I have status. Some are landmark, general, or regular. Interesting. Um, but no particulars. Mm-mm. No, 
No 69 uh, want to be up in the uh, in the United Baptist the Church. United Baptists and the regulars <laughs> are usually actually primitive. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. So we actually did it well. We actually did it better because we own things. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be the thing. I think Great Commission Baptists are going to be the future of the SBC. And then the people who don't like that for whatever thing it's going to entail are going to split off and stay Southern Baptist. Yeah. Which, you know. I think that's going to be the thing. That'll be an interesting thing to see. Um, That's going to be a very interesting convention. Yeah. Talk about a convention that's going to be (laughs) must-watch. Man, Mm -hmm. the Axe 2 app isn't going to be able to hold everybody trying to watch that thing. No, no, they're gonna have to like bust out like they're gonna have to get like a whole new warehouse of servers. Oh yeah, I mean they already struggled with some portions this time around. Whenever yeah, because like everybody was tuning in for it and like mine would just cut out like for yeah, yeah, it would cut out every now and then and you would get that screen where it was like we'll be back shortly and you know you yeah you were having a then one time one time mine came up and it was just like you know we when we went on when we went online we didn't know what to do so therefore we yeah. trusted acts 2 yeah <laughs> like, yep. okay that was the uh yeah the commercial that would run like non-stop Constantly, never Ugh. ending yes just waiting for the convention to come back on and i was like oh you're like, i don't me, care man. about you i don't care about this i don't care that acts 2 or whatever organization put screens in your church man i don't care well <laughs> It's not important. <laughs> I don't care if your church growth and survival during the pandemic. Listen, man, I, I, I had enough issues with my church growth and all that during the pandemic. I don't, I don't want to hear about yours because you put screens up. It helped your church attendance. Oh, yeah. I don't want, I'm not here for that argument. <laughs> I'm here for the argument on women pastors. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all I care about, man. Yeah. This is Wesley and me coming over here to yeah. see what's going on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... What else can we really say about about the annual meeting? Um, I think I think overall it was good, and I think overall it kind of defined what co- uh, friendly cooperation meant. Hmm. Now it hasn't defined all of the things because we still have a big one that's a lot and a lot more churches than the women pastors, which is open communion. And open communion is, uh, if you read the the Baptist faith and message, it's not allowed. Yeah, and so for someone like me to hold open communion, that puts me in the firing lane, uh, essentially because of of that. Because I'll, I mean, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not gonna bar a Presbyterian uh, from the table. It's just not gonna no. happen. No, I I think uh, yeah, uh, and I think realistically, at the end of the day, it's hard to control that. You know, I think mm-hmm. in a day where. You had churches that, um, with small membership in rural areas, um, it's very easy to keep the communion table closed. Mm -hmm. But here's my question. Um, I'm sure somebody like a Tom Askell would hold to a closed table. Um, He serves a very large church. Mm -hmm. How in the world is he keeping track of that? Unless you only hold it during business meeting, that's the only way that I can. I would yeah, think that you build which is I think an that. issue if that's what you're doing. Yeah, you know I I think that you know and there's right ways and wrong ways to do the whole open communion thing. I heard of a church, um, won't say the name of the church, 
but it's a huge church in, in this area that did open communion. And all they did was had, and this was disturbing to me, they had a table as you were walking out the door that you just grabbed mm. one of the packaged. You grabbed your stuff and go. Grabbed it, took it right there, threw it in the trash, kept walking out the door. Um, I think that's gross. I think that's gross. Yeah. Um, so there's a way to do all of that properly and a way to, you know, but man, I, I just don't know how you keep track, especially in bigger churches, smaller churches is one thing I think it would be hard to keep track of. We have a average attendance here running about 200. Um, I think Mm. it would be hard to keep track of who was taking communion here. If they were supposed to take it, if they weren't supposed to take it, even with just 200 or so people, that would be hard to keep track of. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's just the Methodist me and, and me again, but, you know, the, the well, meth- that's the thing that, yeah, the, like I said earlier, this has defined some of the things, what it means to be in friendly cooperation yeah. with the convention. Now we're going to start the conversation, okay, what does it really mean to be in complete friendly cooperation? Yeah. And I think some of that, the open communion stuff is going to occur. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really tough conversation. To yeah, you're going to have to start like 15 new committees just to figure out what those terms even mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you're going to have a committee over those committees too, because yeah. that's the most Baptist thing to do. Oh yeah, well you know it's it seems that all these types of denominations, man, it's that it's it's that that's the thing. To yeah, do. they say we don't do committees. It's like yeah, you do. Everybody does committees, no. man. I mean, I mean, because no, you, you know why? You know how I know? You follow Robert's Rules of Order. Yep. That's how I know. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think we about I think we about talked it out pretty good for an hour and a half. I think so too. Um, that's great. Yeah, that's pretty good. So we're gonna go ahead and step off of here. Uh, we'll be up for mm-hmm. another episode at some point here soon. Um, do want to ask? Hopefully, with our other. Good. I said I was gonna I was gonna speak on that. Um, that I do want to ask to anybody that is listening. Um, go yeah. ahead and, and keep Wendell in your prayers. Um, he's going through some things right now. Um, and I just, you know, keep him in your prayers as he works through that stuff. Uh, you know, and yeah. he will be back with us shortly with his witty comments and, uh, yes, the deadpan humor. Yes. Cold opens. Yes. Very much so. Cause he is the, he is the cold open guy. <laughs> yeah. He is. He is the Michael Scott. Absolutely. Two babies in a bat. Absolutely. Two, two men and a baby baptizer. Absolutely. Well, all right, guys. We will see you in the next episode. All right.